the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Laura Babcock is here. She is with Power Group Communications and also the host of the O Show. Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. And Mark Warner is an international trade lawyer. Good morning to you all. Let's actually start with the topic I was just talking about, and that is celebrity endorsement of online betting. And Tim Hudak, apparently it's coming off the table. Is that government overreach or a good idea? Yeah, this just does bug me. It, it when, when governments do this sort of thing to me, it strikes me as you know the hypocrisy of of you know trying to be half pregnant. You want the money, you legalize the product, you're looking for the revenue stream to to uh, to push into government spending. And look at all the spending the LCBO does, or the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation does to try to drag in money, but you know, clutch their pearls. Oh my God, you can't have Wayne Gretzky as part of that. Look, look, I get it; it's consistent. When I was a consumer minister, I remember that uh, the LCBO was not allowed to have Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Skull. Uh, at first, because really? that, oh yeah, oh yeah, the policy said no crystal skull. That's obviously changed. Now I didn't like it. And Don Cherry was not allowed to promote alcohol products because of the influence on kids. I don't know, John. I just think this goes too far. Well, there is a certain Presbyterianness to it all. Uh, Mark Warner, let me turn to you. And also, as Tim Hudak says, hypocrisy. We, we like selling booze and we like selling gambling, but we're, you know, worried about advertising it. You know, the angle of the story that, that I guess I noticed more, I always look for the exceptions, you know, because uh, in Canada, you always have the, you know, conscription if necessary, but not necessarily conscription sort of thing, which we do on everything. And so when you actually look at it, the it, celebrities will be continue to be able to uh, essentially advertise for ga- online gambling as long as they're doing it to warn people not to do it. And I think that uh, creative people... We'll be able to deal very well with that, uh, having Conor McGregor saying, hey, kids, don't gamble too much. Smile, smile, smile. So I, look, I'm, I'm, not too, um, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, if it were something serious, then I might take it more seriously, but it isn't. You know, I had a chance to work when I was in government on, on this file in the early, not on this particular advertising part, but the online gambling stuff. Uh, so it's quite interesting to me to see it come to fruition and how it develops, because I was sort of had a chance to sit in on a bunch of these meetings where we talked about issues like this and we'll start. It's interesting to see how it all developed. And Laura Babcock, worth noting, they have until the 28th of February. I don't know why they chose that date, but until the 28th of February to continue to use celebrity endorsements. Yeah, I wish they would just stop it. Other countries have stopped online gaming advertising uh, to kids, you know, on on cell phones. As a parent, I can tell you the kids are barraged with so much crap, John, (laughs) like raising kids post-pandemic with social media and with online gaming and with the access they have to everything. I think this is a welcome step. Uh, And as I said, other countries have gone much further. They're banning the promotion of this altogether. This is not the same as making a decision to go to a casino on the weekend with your adult buddies, right? This is something that's flooding into their phones. It comes up constantly, especially during big games. And sports celebrities have an impact on youth. That's why they had all these contracts to do the advertising. So just like we've banned advertising that was targeting kids in dangerous ways in the past, I think this is very good to do. Some insurance companies have been raising rates hinged on the make and model of the car that you drive because it is more likely to be stolen. Um, in a you know truly scientific world, Mark Warner, it makes a great deal of sense. But you know why should everybody who owns a Honda CRV have to pay more because their next door neighbor got their car stolen? 
Well, I mean, there's something to this. I mean, th- this doesn't bother me too much by by when it's done by the actual uh, model of the car, because I, I mean, there's something to that. If you're buying a, you know, if you're, the guy used to be on the radio show a lot, station a lot with the with the high end vehicle that always got into difficulty, Howard Levitt, right? If you're buying an expensive car that's a high risk of being stolen, then uh, um, you know, then maybe you should pay a little bit more for your insurance. What troubled me a couple of years ago was when they did this by zip code or by um, by postal code, right? Where we were saying that if you lived in Brampton, there were a lot of people, uh, greater tendency for cars to be stolen, and so people in Brampton would pay more. That one troubled me more than uh, you know when it's when you start sort of sort of targeting it on on particular characteristics like that. Then the model of the car, which I think is more closely associated with the. Um, with some of the increased uh, risk, it seems to me. Well, I'd offer a word of advice to people. If you don't want your car to be stolen, get a standard transmission. Uh, Laura Babcock, your thoughts? <laughs> well, you know what? I was looking at this story, as I often do, to see if my car will ever pop up on the list. And so far, it hasn't. And that leads me to wonder, why not? You know, why? <laughs> Doesn't why somebody I... want to steal my car? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, just in terms of why are these Toyotas and these couple of pickup trucks so high on the list? Is it that they're easier to steal? Is it that the parts somehow uh, go for more? Like, I, I'm, I want to understand in this story why these particular vehicles. Yes, it's unfortunate people have to go and find out before they purchase a vehicle. Is it worth the insurance? I say to my kids who are looking at saving to buy a car, you sure you really want to get into that game? Insurance is, you know, is a bear you're going to have to deal with. Um, but I just want to know why. Is it that some higher end vehicles um, or some vehicles have better security, better industry tracking already? Uh, they're more difficult to take from the driveway. I, I'd like to know why. Uh, and that'll help people make better choices when they purchase vehicles. And Tim, well, I, Huda, I had, go ahead. Yeah, I had two Lexus yeah. stolen. So to answer Laura's question, yeah, the Lexus uh, RX, I, I think because it's electronic, you know, key fob, it was uh, easier to steal. I think those cars uh, were in high demand of the jurisdictions. There's probably an Ontario license plate. My car driving around uh, Nigeria somewhere it seems to be a target uh, area. So, so John, let me tell you my story here. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You, you should pay more, right? I mean, if you're, you have a young driver on your insurance, you've got a history of accidents, lots of drivers, city versus small town, you tend and to pay more. So this makes sense for certain brands. I had it worse. So my advice is to shop around. So when Debbie and I went to get insurance after our second Lexus was stolen, but in another brand that's not on the the, uh, the top 10 list, our insurer for 30 years refused to insure us altogether. Hmm. We, we had no fault. We took security precautions. We just happened to have two stolen. So no coverage whatsoever. We moved on to the next one. That, by the way, was Aviva that ran us out of town. And the next one then had extremely yeah. high deductible, 4K you know, deductible. So we shopped around. We went with TD at the end of the day. We got a good rate. So if these companies are screwing you over, John, shop around. Okay. Yeah, but it takes time. Is that a celebrity time. endorsement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But hard one experience. Okay. Global Affairs Canada is warning uh, gay Canadians about traveling to the U.S. Laura Babcock, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I get it. It's not a pleasant political atmosphere in the U.S., but I don't know that a gay person is going to feel that they're unsafe there. Well, I think they might. <laughs> you know, I think there are certain places, especially we've seen Florida kind of be the hotbed for uh, some of these laws and at least the, the 
conversation that seems to be very predatory against people who are LGBTQ. Uh, we know of a woman who was shot and killed in California just because she had a pride flag in her window. She was just doing it as an ally. So, I mean, there, there is a, there is a disturbing conversation that's happening in the U.S. There is disturbing violence that's being targeted against minorities in the U.S. It's it's a it is a difficult place to be right now coming into a presidential election, especially. I don't think we can ignore what we're seeing there. And so I think it's wise for the government to say, hey, this is not maybe the U.S. you went to 10 years ago. Things are really roiled up. You need to be careful and to protect yourself. I'm glad they gave the warning, but I wish they didn't have to, John. It's very alarming to me. Sure. And I don't want to see it coming to Canada. Well, and Tim Hudak, I mean, there are places I don't want to spend my dollar so I can make a political statement, but I can't think of too many jurisdictions where I would feel uncomfortable. Yeah, look, I think this is... Uh there's three elements here. This is, is virtuous signaling by the, by the government. It, maybe they've got a long list of other countries that are far more threatening to the LGBTQ community. Uh, I, I didn't give a chance to the research on that. i got to suppose so if they put the Americans uh, on that list. It's about anti-Americanism uh, as well. And I think it's patronizing. I think it's patronizing to members of the LGBT community that they're not able to make these decisions themselves. They need some warning because the sex curriculum's changed in the state of Florida. Uh, last thought on this one, Mark Warner. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one thing I thought is, obviously, it's, this is the sign that the liberals are down in the polls. We're going to see a lot more of this uh, sort of sort of attempt to campaign against the United States to sort of, you know, that's the, how that's their stock and trade. It's the old thing. But I do wonder whether they'll see fewer gay people going to Miami Beach from Canada. I mean, if someone did a study or Key West. Somehow, I think that that's not going to happen. I did think it was interesting that they didn't actually list the states that they're talking about, where they do in some other areas of warnings, particularly respect to the United States on the border in terms of uh, drug trafficking. They actually list the states. So this is kind of half in, half out, this sort of theme that I keep coming back to. And unlike uh, other countries like Egypt and Tanzania and Africa that don't have nuclear weapons um they they don't actually you know they, they they don't go as far as they do in those other african countries and talking about the particular customs that they're talking about so it's kind of you know to me if you're, if you're going to go go for this go all in don't be afraid about it that's what that's my problem with the way they do these things new study says canadian kids are facing increased abuse um anxiety depression uh let me start with uh, actually tim hudak i'll come to you because you've got a couple of kids i i I'm, I'm not convinced on this file that it's a worse problem than it used to be i think it's just that we identify these issues now and we didn't used to yeah, I think we're more attuned to it. We're more likely to uh, to act in a in a collective way. We certainly value the the rights and conditions of kids probably more than we did, John, when when you and I were growing up. I, I do think though that that we still have a hangover from from COVID and a lockdown that was far too long, far too painful, in fact, far too cruel. The closure of the schools to kids for far too long that that had an impact on kids, had an impact on parents. So I, I do believe, John, that the, the there is a an increase due to the uh, ongoing ramifications of that cruel lockdown. The uh, study found about half of young people from the ages of 12 to 18 say they have experienced depression, while nearly 40% of them developed anxiety during the height of the pandemic. So, yeah, maybe this is rooted, Mark Warner, in the pandemic. Well, I've never been able to figure out the difference between anxiety and depression, so I wonder whether school-aged children could do that with that level of sophistication. Look, this is a study. I think I share mo largely what you said and what uh, what Tim said. It is. I, I am John very skeptical of studies that are uh, sponsored by 
groups like this because it's this this is their work right this is what they work they come up with a study that says hey, you need more work like i do the national the children first canada so you know i i don't i'd have to look much more deeply at a study that uh, confirms the sponsor's priors before I take it too, too seriously. But I no, that, that's my response. Really. Okay. And Laura Babcock, you also are raising a couple of youngsters. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I read the study and I don't think you have to look too far to look at a bunch of other studies and a bunch of other stories we've talked about ever since the pandemic. This is real. Try getting a psychologist for your kids. Try getting your kids assessed for anxiety or depression between the ages of 11 and 15. There is a huge backlog. So I don't need the, you know, to, to look at this particular study and discredit the problem. I know that it's a problem because I'm a parent who has been in the system since the pandemic and I've talked to many kids and many other parents this is real we need to take it seriously is abuse worse than it was in the 1970s who knows but certainly anxiety and depression uh, are on the rise so are teen suicides because of the pandemic the lockdowns throw in social media they can never get away from the crap that they're dealing with let's not dismiss this let's help our kids thanks a lot to all three of you Mark Warner Tim Hudak and Laura Babcock Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.